Bill O'Reilly here. Welcome to the No Spin News for Tuesday, March 9th, 2021. Stand up for your country. So Joe Biden's the most powerful man in the world, most powerful human being. I want to be politically correct, all right? He is by far the single most powerful individual on the planet, and there is no question about it. So should we be worried about the most powerful man in the world? I am. Now, I don't like cheap shot analysis. I don't like a lot of the stuff that I hear on TV and radio about Mr. Biden or Mr. Trump or Mr. Obama or Mr. Bush. Never have. If I'm going to take somebody to task, criticize somebody, I'm going to do it in a fact-based way. But I will tell you, I am worried about Joe Biden. I do not think he is able to run this country. And I know it's quick, seven weeks, but let me back it up. So I'm a linear thinker. I'm a simple man. You all know that. But linear thinkers go from A to B to C to D in a logical way. In fact, when I speak to somebody, if they get emotional and illogical, so if their argument doesn't make sense and then they, when you challenge, they start to get upset and it's I, I don't continue the conversation. Now, on TV, when um, I was a younger man, um, I almost liked that because I could just go in with a hammer and boom. But now I'm an elder statesman <laughs> and I'm trying to give you information that's important to you and your family. So here we go. So there is no doubt that three of Biden's policies are hurting us directly right now, hurting every single American in the country. The most prominent of them is the southern border. And there's no question about what is going on down there. We have hundreds of thousands of foreign nationals surging the border, trying to get here because they know when they set one foot onto American soil, they get all kinds of stuff given to them things they could never get in their home country. And all I have to do is say, I want political asylum. And they're handed $1,100. They get health benefits. They get food stamps. They get everything and the promise of being an American citizen. Now, this is predictable. So the 80 million plus Americans who voted for Joe Biden last November had, if they were paying attention, and many of them weren't, they just hated Trump, but had to know if you were paying attention, this was going to happen. Because of two things that Mr. Biden himself said, rule number one. Raise your hand if if your government plan would provide coverage for undocumented immigrants. You cannot let, as, as the mayor said, you cannot let people who are sick, no matter where they come from, no matter what their status, go uncovered. You can't do that. It's just going to be taken care of, period. You have to. It's a humane thing to do. And it is a humane thing to do, which is why all the emergency rooms in the United States are compelled to take anybody that walks in. However, that's not what Biden promised. He promised full health benefits paid for by the American taxpayer for every foreign national who enters this country illegally. You saw him, you heard him. Now, if you're living in poverty in El Salvador or Guatemala or Honduras, three countries I have been to. Remember, I covered the war in El Salvador. All right, I have spent time in that region. 
You don't have health benefits down there. No one has them. You get sick down there, you're on your own pretty much. Unless you know some medical person. There are a few clinics run by Catholic charities, most of them. But you're in dire trouble. So if your child has a condition, if your parents are sick, you get here, Joe Biden's going to give you free, free medical coverage if you're a foreign national. So why wouldn't you try to get here? Why wouldn't you? I don't blame the migrants. I've said that for decades. I don't blame them. Many of them are desperate people. They live in violent places. They literally can't get ahead. So you're going to come to America if you can. So under President Trump, we had a policy that made it difficult to get in here. Biden has dismantled the whole thing. And on top of that, he has said this. Go. I am going to make a commitment in the first hundred days. I will send a immigration bill to the United States Senate with a pathway to citizenship for over 11 million undocumented people in America. How noble is that? Isn't that noble? And there are more than 11 million undocumented people in America. Biden has no blanking clue how many there are, right? There'll be a census coming out. Maybe we'll get an idea, but it's far more than 11 million. And now with hundreds of thousands coming, and that number will go into the millions by fall, all the people who do get here have a shot at becoming an American citizen. Now, they're not going to be able to vote immediately. They're not going to be uh, crowned. You're an American. You have to go through hoops. But if you are living in a third world country, anywhere in the world, and you can get here, there's a darn good chance that you can become an American citizen and get all of the entitlements that poor Americans get instantly for the entitlements. So my logic, all right, my analysis capabilities says to Joe Biden, if I were sitting across and interviewing him, is that what you want? Do you want millions, literally, of people all over the world to come here? Pretty much unregulated? Because right now, they got 1100 bucks. you get on a bus, you go where you want, and government doesn't know where you are. Government doesn't track you. They don't know if you have COVID. They don't know what the deuce you're doing. And we have seen a substantial problem with criminal aliens. We've seen it. It's in every major city. So I would say with all due respect, Mr. President, is this what you want? Don't you understand that open borders are going to lead to societal chaos? on every level? Don't you understand that American resources are stretched now to the limit? And you want to add millions and millions and millions of foreign nationals to that equation? Government can't afford that. Country can't afford it. Now, that's all logical, right? Linear A, B, C, D. It's Biden's fault. Biden did it. He's the president. 80 million plus voted for him. And this is what you get. Okay, this is what you get. Now, Biden's not going to be in there. He's got three years plus. He's not going to get reelected. 
He may not even make the three. I don't think he knows what he's doing. And I'll back that up in a minute. But first, the media doesn't want to cover the southern border because it knows the catastrophe that is unfolding. So last night, despite all of the conservative news channels and news media and talk radio, all of that, they're going heavy border, 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 border. The anti-Trump people, it's all border all the time. The word is out. It's not being squelched. CNN didn't cover the border at all. From 7 to midnight, they got five hours mention it. All right? Now, that puts every debate on whether CNN is a news channel to rest. It's not. It's an entertainment channel. It's a progressive channel. MSNBC, in five hours, spent 32 seconds on the border. Brian Williams mentioned it for 32 seconds. Five hours. NBC News, Lester Holt, 17 seconds. So NBC is in the same category as CNN. It is not a news operation any longer. Huntley Brinkley and all that, gone. And they're not coming back. NBC is not coming back. Comcast, the corporation that owns NBC, has made a decision. We can make much more money if we are a progressive channel. And that's what they're going to be, a progressive organization. ABC News, which is the number one nightly news, David Muir, didn't cover it at all. Didn't mention it. But they spent a lot of time on Meghan and Harry. A lot, a lot of time. David Muir, he wishes he got that interview. Couldn't get to the border, though. Mm -mm, No. CBS Evening News, the only newscast that did what they call a package, two minutes, 25 seconds. Uh, They did a report focused on unaccompanied minors and housing for the minors. It's a big CBS um, deal. They like that story. All right, some stats. Um, In the last two weeks, in the last two weeks, My unaccompanied migrant children detained by the Border Patrol have tripled. Let me repeat. Last two weeks, unaccompanied minors surge in here. Number has tripled. All right. There are more than 8,000 unaccompanied minors in shelters right this minute. Why? Because the miners and the coyotes, the smugglers who who bring them in, know once they're established, the miners are established, and their name is in the computer bank, their parents, grandparents, brothers and sisters can all come. That's why that's happening. Okay, so the Border Patrol certainly knows that uh, hundreds of thousands of people are trying to get in here, and the Border Patrol can't handle it. So the guy in charge of this is Alejandro Mayorkas. He is the head of the Department of Homeland Security. He's not in charge of the Border Patrol, but the Border Patrol is under him. He is a total moron. If you listen to him and, and all of that, oh, we don't have a crisis. This is what Mayorkas said. There's no crisis. It's a challenge. So why is it a challenge? It wasn't a challenge when Trump was there. He had stopped it almost completely by having the return to Mexico policy for asylum. But now we're having, but, but Orcas doesn't, he won't admit that it's a crisis. Biden won't say anything 
and Jen Psaki, you know, forget it. They're not saying a word because they know they're not going to be pushed. But Mayorkas has a problem that he's got to deal with. So he's asked for volunteers in the Department of Homeland Security. So if you work for them in Seattle or Minneapolis or St. Louis or anywhere, he is asking you to go to the border to help the Border Patrol. <laughs> okay? Because they're overwhelmed. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. So Joe Biden is going to do an address on Thursday night. He's going to do a nationwide address. But it's going to be on COVID. He's going to tell everybody what a great job uh, he's done in seven weeks on COVID and how we've turned a corner, whatever. You know, you know what he's going to do. I don't think he's going to mention uh, Trump's vaccine, you know, but he might throw him a little bit, maybe, you know, because he knows if he doesn't say anything, that'll come back. But Biden's not going to talk about the border or the people that are coming across the border with COVID. Remember, in Brownsville, Texas, more than 100 migrants who snuck into the country were tested in a bus station before they got on the bus. I guess they felt they had to be tested. They didn't. They can't be compelled to be tested, but they were tested. And more than 100 were positive for COVID. They got on the bus anyway. It's unbelievable. All right. So Biden, he knows he doesn't have to deal with this. He knows he can he can. You know, they used to call it the rope-a-dope, Muhammad Ali, like this, and you just punch his arms and then you get exhausted and faint. Um, that's what Biden's doing. So what did Joe do today? Well, he's the president of the United States, most powerful man in the world. What exactly did Joe Biden do today? Well, he went to the Jenks hardware store. That's it. He was supposed to be there at 1045. He showed up at 1230. They kicked the press out, no questions. And he went there to see how the Paycheck Protection Program is working for the people who own the Jenks hardware store. That's it. That's what he did all day. We have a schedule. That's it. Uh, all right. Uh, Thursday night, well, I'll be tweeting during the COVID address. One more thing before we move this along. Um, we looked to find a soundbite to play for you today of somebody supporting open borders, saying, I want open borders. Anybody, idiot movie stars, legislators, anybody, couldn't find it. Not there. Just so you know. Not that they don't support, they do. They do support. The progressive left supports open borders. Absolutely does. They don't want to say it. Now, the state of Arizona and the state of Montana is suing the Biden administration because of executive orders that say ICE should not detain undocumented immigrants unless they are a threat to national security and aggravated felons or uh, one other category that doesn't matter. So two states are suing the Biden administration now over this. All right. Because they say, look, we don't want unattended foreign nationals in our state. And now Biden has ordered ICE not to round them up. There's a lawsuit. Okay. LA, let's get to California and we'll get to our guest and uh, Governor Newsom. 
So for the 47th time in 48 days, gas prices have gone up in Los Angeles County. You now pay $3.82 a gallon for regular in Los Angeles County. $3.82. All right. Ever since Biden was sworn in, stopped the pipeline, stopped the drilling on federal land, sent a signal he's going to attack the oil industry and fossil fuels, gas prices everywhere are gone up. But L.A. is crazy up. You'll have $5 by Labor Day in L.A. Save your money. Now, Newsom could do something about this. He could take away the amazing tax on gas in California, giving the folks out there a break. But Newsom, uh, he's too busy with other things. He's being recalled. All right. He's going to have to be on the ballot and Californians may boot him out. Now, Bernie Sanders issued this to his followers. Bernie, he loves Newsom. Right-wing Republicans of California trying to recall Gavin Newsom for the crime of telling people to wear masks and for listening to scientists during COVID. Extremist Republicans have done enough to undermine democracy already. We must all unite to oppose the recall in California. So I guess the scientists told Governor Newsom to go to the French Laundry and have dinner without a mask while everybody else in California couldn't do that. I'm sure, according to Bernie, the scientists told him to do it. <laughs> unbelievable. It is unbelievable. All right, let's bring in, um, let's bring in our guest, uh, who is a former California State Assemblyman. Uh, his name is Mike Gatto. He's coming to us from Los Angeles. He's a Republican. Uh, one of the oh, few no, out there. Oh, you're a Democrat. I thought you're a Republican. Yes, I am. Don't don't hold it against me, Bill. No, I'm not holding it against you. I'm not a party guy. But um, right. good. I'm glad. I'm glad. So uh, just before I get to you, um, the recall people say this is why we have to fire Newsom. Unaffordable housing, release of violent criminals, highest homeless, homeless rate and poverty rate in the nation, rising crime, failing schools, Illegals are giving tax refunds, welfare, medical insurance, housing education, and free phones. All of that, in addition to botching COVID. Is that fair? Is this laundry list of we got to get rid of Newsom fair? Well, yes and no. I mean, um, I, I think the recall runs a risk of fizzling if life returns to normal, right? Most people I know believe that the recall will hinge on if you can go have a beer in a restaurant and if your kids are back in school. And obviously, we're headed in that direction. The whole country's headed in that direction. So the challenge for the recall proponents is to make this about something more than COVID, to go through that laundry list that you went through and uh, to try to hang that around Governor Newsom. And that part is not fair. Uh, California, you know, has had the strictest rules with COVID. The pandemic's been very hard on everybody. There were some high profile screw ups early, things like closing hiking trails. I went to a park the other day and there are two swings for kids and one of them was taped off with police tape. I mean, stuff like that is ridiculous. And those are criticisms that are accurate. Uh, but to try to tie that entire laundry list around uh, Governor Newsom's head, I don't think is quite fair. But that 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 shows the challenge that the recall proponents have is to keep that anger fresh. Okay, but it is true. I, all of these things are true. I mean, on the coast oh. of California, the highest housing prices in the world, not just in the country. All right. You're releasing violent criminals. 
the guy in uh, L.A. County where you live, I mean, he's not holding them. No bail, all of that. Uh, highest homeless rates, homeless in L.A. where you live, crazy. San Francisco, destroyed. Um, rising crime everywhere. Central Valley, Northern California. All right, failing schools in the big cities. So none of this is, is made up. And then you have the optics of the French Laundry and um, George Lopez in Fresno, another restaurant thing with Newsom. So Newsom, I think, is in trouble. It's going to be recalled. They have enough signatures. So the vote will be this summer, I understand. Is that correct? Well, like everything else in California involving the government, it's complicated and there's a lot of red tape. Signatures are due eight days from now. The counties have until April 29 to count them and verify them. Signers then get a brief period to unsign the petition, uh, to come forth and say that they had second thoughts. The Secretary of State then tallies the total, and assuming it qualifies, then the Lieutenant Governor, not the Governor, sets the election day within a range set by statute. It's likely to get to be in November, October, November, something like that. No, not by summer. So you think October, November. Okay. Now, attached to the you want Newsom out or not are people to replace him, correct? On the same ballot, right? The same day. Is that correct? Correct. It's, it's a little okay. bit of a two-step process. Question one is, do you want uh, the governor to be recalled? Out, Question and two then who is, do you want so to take his place? How do you get on that ballot? See, I'd like to run because I'd love to live in San Diego or, you know, California. Beaver. So I want to get on that ballot. How do I do that? Well, it's remarkably easy. The recall has slightly easier uh, requirements for getting on the ballot. Last time this happened in the recall of Governor Gray Davis about 20 years ago, we had porn stars running. We had uh, Gary Coleman, the little guy from uh, Different Strokes. I mean, it was a freak show in, in a yeah, weird way. Do. Right. Yeah. So and the challenge you have voters to get a certain amount. Do you have to get a certain amount of signers on a petition to get on a ballot? You do, but it's drastically less than the requirements for running for governor in the in the ordinary course of things. The filing fees are smaller. The signature requirement is less. And uh, it's very, very easy to get on that ballot. There will be dozens and dozens of candidates. OK, um, your prediction. I mean, look, California has always had a rebellious spirit. We're not as deep blue as some people think. You know, you can't forget that Arnold Schwarzenegger, Republican, was governor just 10 and a half years ago when I took office. But the recall has a challenge. They need to find a Republican legend in California, someone like Condoleezza Rice or The Rock, somebody, somebody like that, or a very, very prominent Democrat to run. Otherwise, the election will just be, do you want to replace Gavin Newsom with one of these minor Republicans? And I think California is too blue to go for that. All right. So if The Rock, who said he might want to get into politics, would run, he might be the new Schwarzenegger out there. That's very possible, correct? Yeah, I mean, look, it's almost too much the last playbook. You know, they say the generals are always fighting the last war. That applies in politics, too. Another action star might be a little too close to Arnold Schwarzenegger. But it, somebody like that, right? You need somebody with instant celebrity. Yeah, because I'll tell name you, recognition, Governor, right. That, that would right. do it Governor out, out in California. All right. Okay, Mike, thanks very much. We appreciate it. Um, I think they're going to boot Newsom. I have no idea who's going to take his place. Hey, guys, it's Vivek Ramaswamy here, inviting you to listen to my podcast, Truth. We just relaunched it after the campaign, and we are already riding up the podcast charts. Here's why. I think that hard, in-depth conversations about the tough issues is the only way we're going to get this country back. Because make no mistake, we are currently in a war for the future of America, and you cannot win a war unless you're willing to speak the truth. 
If you want standard conservative talking points, this podcast is not for you. But if you want to go deeper and hear the conversations you're not going to find anywhere else, the conversations that will challenge you, that will challenge me, then subscribe to Truth with Vivek Ramaswamy on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And I promise you, you're going to cover terrain that you're not going to hear elsewhere. Okay, this day in history, I'm moving it up today because this is eerie. This is eerie. What I'm about to tell you is happening right now, but it happened before, 67 years ago. So you remember the name Senator Joseph McCarthy. He was from Wisconsin. He was the communist witch hunter. All right. So he went in and he accused people in government, people in show business, people in sports of being communists many times without any evidence at all. All right. He's doing exactly what they do now. Uh, the cancel culture people, no due process. You're a communist. You have to get out, get fired. You can't work. That's what Joseph McCarthy was doing. Back then, the media in America was just, the television media was just rising. It was a man named Edward R. Murrow. You may have heard the name. He was a World War II correspondent, um, and he was CBS's main guy. All right? So here's what he said 67 years ago today. The line between investigating and persecuting is a very fine one, and the junior senator from Wisconsin has stepped over it repeatedly. His primary achievement has been in confusing the public mind as between the internal and the external threats of communism. We must not confuse dissent with disloyalty. We must remember always that accusation is not proof and that conviction depends upon evidence and due process of law. We will not walk in fear one of another, we will not be driven by fear into an age of unreason. It's exactly what is happening today in America. Exactly. Now, Murrow was McCarthy's undoing. A few months later, on December 2nd, 1954, he was censured. McCarthy was censured in the Senate. That means he was scolded. And then his career went downhill from there. Now, that's an example of what journalism used to to be. Is there an Edward R. Murrow today in America on television? There is not. There is not. The late Mike Wallace might have been able to do it. There's no one. And that's why the lack of due process, all these accusations, everybody's guilty of everything, men are terrible, white people are bad, all of this is just roughshod exactly what happened in 1954. All right, cancel culture update. Washington Post op-ed calls for Jeep to drop the name Cherokee. So I wrote the book, Killing Crazy Horse. Cherokees are in the book. All right. I admire the Cherokee trot. I have no trouble with a truck being named after the Cherokee tribe, but I'm not Cherokee. All right. But I'm looking to see, because I'm a simple, logical man, what the offense is. Why? All right, so this op-ed says that it is um, racial stereotyping to put Jeep Cherokee on the market. Why? I don't know. That's what they say. Then it says that the companies like Jeep benefit off the identities of indigenous people. So, we can't use the 
tribe names for anything now, even in a flattering, right? Because we're benefiting. This is just insane. Uh, this op-ed was written by three law professors, all right? Angela Riley of UCLA, Sonia Katyal of UC Berkeley, and Rachel Lim. She's a doctoral candidate, not a lawyer. The other two are law. UC Berkeley. So far, far, far left. But the Washington Post loves this. Loves it. All right. Now, state of Texas, a lot of lawsuits. State of Texas, all right, threatened Twitter if it keeps banishing people like Donald Trump. So Twitter suing the Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton. All right. Suing them, saying that Paxton is trying to intimidate, harass, and target Twitter in retaliation for Twitter's exercise of its First Amendment rights. Now, this is what you're going to see all throughout the Biden administration. Lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit, okay, on both sides. Twitter is suing Texas. Okay. Twelve states suing the Biden administration Omer climate executive orders. Okay, Arkansas, Arizona, Indiana, Kansas, Missouri, Montana, Nebraska, Ohio, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Utah, all suing the Biden administration, saying that the president does not have the power to regulate how these states handle their energy concerns. So now that'll go to the Supreme Court. Because Biden's saying you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't here, you can't there. Now, on federal land, Biden can do it. Biden can say no drilling on federal land, but he can't come in to the states and say you have to do X, Y, and Z about fossil fuels. I, in my opinion. All right, poll by USA Today. That is a radical left paper now. It's devolved into that. Um, asked about defunding police. Okay, 18% of Americans want all police agencies defunded. These are the anarchists. Okay, 58% say they don't want any defunding. 67% of white Americans oppose defunding. 28% of black Americans support defunding. Only 28%. That's all. 84% of Republicans oppose defunding. 34% of Democrats support defunding the police. Now, if you think the Democratic Party hasn't gone radical left, I mean, you guys who are Democrats out there? Okay, George Floyd trial. The judge is named Peter Cahill. He is starting to swear in jurors. He is telling them that they can have to refrain from searching for information about the case, all right, and they can't talk to anybody about the case. So we, we figure this trial is going to be six weeks. So the jury can't talk to anybody. They're not going to be sequestered, apparently. But, you know, everybody's at the phone in the Senate. Um, and then the judge explained the concept of reasonable doubt. Okay. Uh, again, I'm not uh, going to do the evidence part of it. I'm going to do the reaction to the trial. So Joe Biden has two German shepherds uh, in a wise house, or he did. Or he did. But now, Major and Champ have been shipped back to Delaware. Now, apparently, one of those dogs, Major, I think it was, bit a security person in the White House. 
And both of those dogs are scaring everybody. Well, they're out of there. Now, my dog, Holly the Terra dog, has now submitted an application to take their place. Now, I think that's a betrayal of me. But Holly is, you know, if she can't go over to the Queen, as we discussed yesterday, he's taking a look at the White House. And on the subject of the Queen, Oprah and Harry and Meghan, 17 million people tuned in on Sunday night to watch them. Now, Oprah's uh, production company apparently got $7 million for this interview. The house that you're looking at, that's Gail King's house, I understand, out in California. Gail King does the CBS Morning News. She's Oprah's best friend. Okay, so 17 million watched in America. And I I guess more than that in, in Great Britain. But the interesting thing is that in America, people were generally sympathetic to Harry and Meghan. But in Great Britain, they're not. They think they're traitors. So there's a big divide. But I told you yesterday that this whole thing is a sport. See, these aren't really human beings now. They're caricatures. And tragedy can lay just around the corner. Look what happened to Princess Diana. She was killed because paparazzi were chasing her in France. And the driver lost control of the car. You've got to be careful. Now, if I were Prince Harry... I would not be buying into any of this. All right. I don't know why he's doing that. It's no benefit to him at all. Now, Meghan Markle, I understand. She feels she was slighted. She obviously feels that the uh, British crown is racist against Archie, her baby, against her. It was was obvious. It was a racism play by Meghan Markle. I don't know the woman. I can't possibly know what she went through. I know she's well off. I know a lot of people would trade places with her, but maybe they wouldn't if they knew that she was being browbeaten. I know the British press is as vicious as it gets. I mean, it's vicious here. Over there, it's vicious on steroids. In Great Britain, awful. Just, if you read the Daily Mail, what a piece of garbage. And they'll say anything, anything. So I understand Meghan Markle may be wanting to vent a little bit with Oprah. I don't get the Prince Harry thing. I mean, his brother and his father, you know, they're over there. His grandmother, grandfather. You don't turn on family. You don't turn on family. You know, that's the only comment I'm going to make. I'm also going to say that a lot of people watching this are enjoying the struggle because when rich and famous people are in the spotlight negatively, human nature dictates a lot of people are going to like that. They like it. It's wrong. It's not Christian. But it's true. All right. Got a good mail segment. And then we got a final thought. I'm going to run down one of the worst things that I've ever seen on a college campus. Right back. 
Who is there for the families left behind when a service member or first responder dies or is catastrophically injured in the line of duty? Who is helping our nation's homeless veterans? And who is helping our nation keep its vow to never forget 9-11? I'll tell you who. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation. The foundations in the line of duty programs honor our nation's heroes and their families. That includes its Gold Star, Fallen First Responder, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran programs. The foundation's Never Forget programs engage people in 9-11 remembrance across America. Over 80 runs, walks, and climbs a year. Dozens of golf outings and barbecues. And the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute is helping to educate kids in kindergarten through 12th grade about our nation's darkest day, 9-11. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. This charity keeps its word and honors our nation's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number 2, T.org. Let's get to the mail. We got David. Uh, Bill, you're my only source of news. If you don't talk about it, I don't need to know about it. I'm a much happier person because we cut the cable. I'm glad. I'm telling you, I'm not learning anything from from watching these programs now. Once in a while, but not often. Paul, Bill, do you really think the corporate news media are going to cover the crisis at the border? I don't. Well, you're right, Paul. (laughs) They don't want to do it. But something bad's going to happen down there. We'll have to. Doug Drabillis, McMinnville, Oregon. Bill, it's clear to me that amnesty is what the illegal aliens are hoping for. If they ignore their asylum case and don't show up for court, it won't matter since they'll get amnesty. Sure. Absolutely. Once you get here, you're not going to get expelled unless you commit a felony. And even then you might not get expelled. Russell, where's the Republican Party outrage over the continued labeling of the $1.9 trillion bill as pork, 91% of it? Well, no Republicans voted for it. All right, I I mean, I don't know what the final vote's going to be, but the initial Republicans opposed, but Democrats control. Charles, in Tennessee, 54% of the deaths from COVID have been male, 46 female, so how has COVID affected women more adversely than men? What an absurd presumption by Ulyssa Reynoso, the head of the Gender Policy Council. Of course it's absurd. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. As we, we went over this yesterday. It's insane. Lola on the message board on BillOReilly.com. By the way, you want to reach me, Bill at BillOReilly.com. Bill at BillOReilly.com. Name in town if you wish to opine. Lola says, so COVID is both racist and sexist. That's so funny. But I can't laugh because the proponents are real and somehow they'll make money on it. It's more about power than money, Lola. Max Tessier, Galesburg, Illinois. Biden and the 25th Amendment, I disagree with you, Bill. I think the powers that be will ultimately remove Joe. All right, so my column is the Biden conundrum on BillOReilly.com. Max disagrees with my premise. That's good. I like disagreement. I mean, but I can't see it. And read the column and make up your own mind on it. Michael Vadro, Sunnyside, New York. That's in Queens. Since I equate the progressives with hippies, I'm a bit surprised the left hasn't proposed cuts in defense spending. Because there is no restraint on any spending. So they don't care about that now. The Defense Department isn't taking money away from the social entitlements. They're just printing so much money, throwing it at everything. They'll get around to it. They'll get around to it. But... 
it's much different than it used to be. There's no budget anymore. There's no constraints in Congress. They just print money and spend as much as they possibly can spend. Trump administration did that. It's not just Democrats. Okay, word of the day, jejun. I love that word. J-E-J-U-N-E. J-E-J-U-N-E. Don't be jejun. We would like you to order Killing the Mob. Out May 4th, that's coming up fast. I was on uh, the radio today um, with Mark Simone. He said it's the best killing book, and he's read them all. And I think you'll enjoy it. If you do pre-order Killing Mob from BillOReilly.com, you get 50% off Killing Crazy Horse. And you can find out about Cherokees. They didn't have Jeeps, by the way. Cherokees are horses are on foot, no Jeeps back then. Quick break, back with the worst thing I've seen on college campus. Okay, here's the final thought of the day. On um, December 4th, we reported that Cornell University and Ivy League school was going to order all students to get vaccinated, all right? When New York State drops for everybody, all students at Cornell will have to be vaccinated if they want to go to class. Okay, but there's an exception. African-American students don't have to get vaccinated. So the president of Cornell, Martha Pollack, has dictated this, quote, Students who identify as black, indigenous, or a person of color may have personal concerns about fulfilling the vaccination requirements based on historical injustices and current events. We recognize that due to longstanding systemic racism and health inequities in this country, individuals from some marginalized communities may have concerns about needing to get vaccinated. Now, all the white kids, all the Asian kids have to get vaccinated. All the Hispanic kids have to get vaccinated. The African-American kids don't. This sends a message, Cornell University, that we don't treat everybody equally here. Nope. If somewhere, somehow, you're in a marginalized group, you don't have to obey the rules. Even if it's a public health situation, you don't have to. What kind of message do you think that sends to every student at Cornell? Now, I know there are some loons who agree with it, but if you step back, is this where you want to be? Is that the kind of place you want to live on campus there? I don't. This is the single worst thing I have ever seen on a college campus. Talk to you again tomorrow.